Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we know that nothing can compare to you, Lord. You're high above all. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for the great price you paid, Lord, for our redemption. Lord, for calling us, for drawing us out, Lord, and calling us your own. Lord, we just praise you for that, Lord. We bless you. We lift your name up, Lord. We ask that you would speak once again to our hearts. Just help our hearts to be soft to receive from you this morning. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you take your seats this morning? Ephesians 5.2 says, Live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. This morning, I ask, how would we describe the spiritual aroma of our marriage? How would we describe the spiritual aroma of the marriages around us? Aromas or smells are something we become acquainted to or accustomed with. Whether the aroma is good or bad, it is hard to recognize because we live in the middle of them. This is why some people get so used to their cologne or perfume and they think they need to spray twice as much as they really need to do. The aroma or the smell is almost non-existent to them, but to the rest of us, you know what I'm talking about, everyone around them is gagging, right? But they can't smell the cologne or perfume they have doused themselves in that morning or showered in, right? Similarly, we all carry spiritual aromas around everywhere we go. Friends or family may say something like, do you realize you talk to your spouse in such harsh tones? Or they may say something like, that um, you both seem so joyful together, what's your secret? Or perhaps friends point out how you belittle your spouse in front of others or maybe, friends, common in how you show such honor to one another, putting each other above one another. These kinds of comments all speak to the aroma or the health of our marriages. Perhaps your marriage is suffering and you aren't sure what to do while others of you have already given up altogether. Still others who really love being married, is good. But the question we have to all ask ourselves is this. Does our marriage truly honor, exalt, glorify God? Because isn't that really the goal, the focus, the purpose of marriage? And we can say without a doubt that marriage has gotten a lot of attention in our days. We have tools galore, right? We have tools to draw from. We have counselors. We have books. We have conferences. We have seminars. We can say without a doubt that there is no shortage of helps out there. But what does this really mean? What does it mean? Well, this reveals that the marital institution is in trouble. The lack of health leads to an abundance of resources. 
It's no secret that most marriages are either suffering or already broken. I think this epidemic of soured relationship boils down to one simple fact. And it's this, that most have not submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ. So today, we want to explore and get back to the basics of biblical marriage. As we have been doing with the church in general, getting back to the basics of the Bible, well, we want to do the same thing in marriage as well. And it starts with the men, the husbands of the congregation. So where I want to begin this morning is Ephesians 5.23. Ephesians 5.23, so please open to Ephesians 5.23, which discusses the husband's role. And we will be skipping verse 22 and 24, which discuss the women's role, which we will get to in a few weeks. But for now, we're going to focus on the husband. So all the wives today... All you got to do is take really good notes and then remind your husband every day what we preached on today. So, So as we begin, let's go to our Lord in prayer. Holy Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word that is our authority, Father. We ask that our marriages are strong, strong in glorifying and honoring you, Father, because we recognize that if the families are strong, how amazing, how strong would the local church be to glorify you? So, Father, I ask, as we speak to the men, the husbands this morning, Father, that you grow all of us as husbands Humble us, but help us, Father. Help us to grow in your mighty words so we can lead our families the way you call us to. In Christ's name, amen. So in verse 23 of Ephesians 5, and it says this, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. So you may be thinking off the bat, man, this sounds sort of archaic. It sounds very chauvinistic. To say that the husband is the head of the wife. I mean, are we back in the 1950s? I mean, what is this guy going to say next? That That the wives need to submit to their husbands as to the Lord? Well, we're going to get there, but not this week. We're not going to preach on that this week. But it is true, many churches would say that headship, husband leadership is out of date and it's out of style. But I will tell you at the family church, we are unashamed and believe that the husbands are the leaders of their homes. Because God's word says so. It clearly says so, and we trust with all our hearts that the word, that the Bible is actually God's word given to us. So we follow all of Scripture, not just the palatable verses, but the verses that stretch us, the verses, the scriptures that challenges the culture around us. Scripture that convicts us of our lack of obedience. Scripture that encourages us to walk forward in faith. Scripture that gives us hope when we are hopeless. We want to follow it all. That's what we're called to do. And in a day when marriages are in shambles, we need to learn our God-given roles and walk them out faithfully to the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look again at our main text. Verse 23 And it says this, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. 
So I ask you, what comes to mind when you hear this verse? Does this rub you wrong? Do you struggle with the idea of husband being leadership as hard? Does it well up fear in you? Or does it puff you up as as you think, that's right, wife, I'm the boss. I'm the one that's in charge here. Well, the truth of the matter is headship is not supposed to be used as a way of controlling our wives, right? A domineering husband who uses verses like a machine gun to boss, push their wife down, or manipulate her for their own self-centered purposes is unbiblical and wrong. So let's get that straight from the beginning. And this And if this is your experience as a wife, I am sorry and grieve to my heart if you've been through this because this is a twisted view of headship. It's not what the Bible teaches. But again, husbands are the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church. And the first thing we notice that the verse does not say about husbands is that they ought to be the the head of the wife or they should be the head of the wife right it says that what they are the head of the wife positionally the husband is head by position it's not by how good of a leader they are it's not by what they're doing it's about if they are a husband they are automatically put in that place He may ignore or run from his responsibilities or roles as leader, but God still looks to him as the leader nonetheless. And this goes to point number one, which says husbands are in the position of inescapable leadership. Husbands are in the position of inescapable leadership. Douglas Wilson says this, If he, that is the husband, attempts to abdicate in some way, he may through rebellion lead poorly, but no matter what he does or where he goes, he does so as the head of his wife. This is how God designed marriage. I mean, think about it. God went to Adam in the garden after Eve ate the fruit. God didn't confront Eve. He confronted Adam. And similarly, God still holds the husbands primarily responsible for the family. But also, we see from this passage, let's just read it one more time here. Husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. We see the husband's role in marriage is a picture of Christ's role with the church. That means every marriage is a picture or reflection of Christ and his church. And if... So is your marriage a clear reflection of Christ? Or is it a twisted view of Christ in the church? Husbands reflect Christ in a right or wrong manner. We either show the brilliance of Christ, right? Or as husbands, we skew who Christ is with His bride, the church. When we are harsh with our wives... We are saying, in essence, that Christ is harsh with his bride, the church. When husbands are are not loving their wives, we are saying, in essence, that Christ doesn't love his bride, the church. When we are impatient with our wives, we are saying that Christ is impatient with his bride, the church. But on the flip side, 
when we are selfless with our spouse, we are reflecting the selflessness of Christ that he showed to his bride, the church. When we pray and read God's word with our wives, we are saying that Christ feeds and supports his church as well. The point is, husbands are either speaking and living out truths about Christ, or we're slandering and living out lies about him and his role to the church. But let's go back to our main text. And again, like I've mentioned, we're skipping 24 and going to verse 25. So Ephesians 5, 25 is where we're at now. And it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. So Paul says here to the husbands, love your wife when she's nice to you. Or Paul says, husbands, love your wife when she treats you good, right? Or husbands, love your wife when she listens to you. Or husbands, love your wife when she's following the agendas that you want her to be following. Is that the type of love that Paul is espousing here? For example... One of the reasons my wife married me, she said, is that I was tall. This is like a six foot thing. I mean, I'm okay. But dark and handsome. But let's just say for one moment in a day, she wakes up and realizes that I'm actually short, chubby, and somewhat plain. And she concludes that she does not love me anymore. This supposed love that she had for me is actually selfishness, worldly love, because it is connected to how good she feels about me. When she starts feeling bad about me, she's ready to leave the marriage. Now, this isn't really true, by the way. But I'm just saying so you understand what I'm talking about. But biblical love is not based on good or bad feelings or on someone else's actions per se. It is based solely on our commitment to Christ. It is focused on the other person instead of us and how we feel and on what we want. Now think about it. Did Christ base His love on us on who we were? If it was based on us, we would have never been chosen. Right? I mean, Romans 8, 5, you can just jot that down, says this. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loved us. Christ died for us while we were still in rebellion. Enemies to the cross. There was nothing innately good that Christ should have died for us, but guess what? He did anyway. God chose us out of love for us, out of a commitment to us, which leads to point number two. Point number two says this, husband's love for his wife is tied to his commitment to Christ. Point number two says this, husband's love for his wife is tied to his commitment to Christ. Our relationship with Christ fuels us. It grows us. It causes us to love our wives at a much deeper level. It is not dependent on her, but our love is dependent on our relationship to Christ. 
our lack of love for our wives is because of our lack of love for Christ. Just the same, if we have an abundance, a lot of love for our wives, it's because of our commitment and love to Christ as well. But that begs another question. How did Christ actually love the church? How did he actually do this? Well, let's continue on back in our main verses, and we're going to read through 25 through 27. So Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. That's my child. And to get some clarity on Christ's love, it says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. So we see the love Christ had for his church, it was first and foremost sacrificial, right? As it says, Christ gave himself up for her. Christ sacrificed himself for his church, for his people. And this same love we are called to have for our wives. We are called to live out the love Christ had for us to our wives. Which leads to point number three. Point number three says, husbands lead in love. Husbands lead in love. Stuart Scott says this, husbands must show his love in tangible ways. He will not simply say, I love you, but he will assure her of his love by his deeds. So Stuart Scott is saying that our love as husbands must be active as Christ's was, as he died for us. Do we show an active love by our behaviors, by our deeds to our wives? This means that we listen to her. This means that we serve her. This means we encourage her. This means we honor her, lift her above ourselves. This means we pray for her. This means we pray with her. This means we study the Bible with her. How sacrificial is our love for our wives this morning? Biblical love gives while selfishness, worldly love takes. Let me ask you, and I'm asking myself on all these as well, are we better takers as husbands or are we better givers? Let's continue on, and we're now in Ephesians 5, 28 and 29. Ephesians 5, 28 and 29, and it says this, In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one hated, ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ did the church. So Paul says, we love our wife, Guess what? How? Like we love who? The church or we love ourselves, right? As we love ourselves. And it goes on in verse 29 and says that no one has what? Ever hated their own flesh, right? 
Paul's saying that we as husbands have to have that type of attention, focus on our wives as we have on our own lives. Paul's point is is that we think and focus on ourselves the way we do. Focus that way on your wives. What I want, what I deserve, what I need. This same love, this same focus is what Christ is saying, right? When we're talking about biblical love, again, we have to remember that biblical love is talking about how much focus, how much time you focus on something and think about. That's the love that Christ is talking about here. So what are her desires? What are her wants? What are the dreams she has? Where is she at in her faith? This should be on the forefront of all of us who are husbands. Think about her instead of self. This is the love that we are called to as husbands. I wonder how many folks would be married if they really understood their roles as as a husband and wife. But I want to go back to verse 25 and 27. Verse 25 through 27 again. And it says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So Christ sanctified his bride, the church, through his word, the Bible says. And it says because of that, she will be presented as holy and pure, right? I wonder how many of us as husbands wash our wives in the Word of God. Do we recognize the spiritual health of where our wives are at this morning? Are we, as husbands, encouraging and helping our wives grow in the Lord? Because that's part of our duty as husbands. And this leads to point number four, which says husbands lead spiritually. Point number four says husbands lead spiritually. That means we share God's word with our wife. That means we pray with her and for her That means we are called to encourage her to grow in the Lord. When is the last time we initiated a conversation about God's word with our wife? To help our wives spiritually, to encourage them in the Lord, to lead them spiritually, to help them be zealous for Christ means, guess what? We have to be zealous for Christ and passionate for Him as well. We're not going to give our wives something that we don't have. We can't encourage them and lead them in the Lord if we aren't walking with Christ ourselves. It's just not going to happen. Let's turn to John 8, 31 and 32. Turn with me to John 8, 31 and 32. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will 
set you free. Jesus tells everybody, but I want, as we're focused on husbands, think about this as husbands. Jesus tells us as husbands to abide, saturate, live in, focus on God's word. And guess what? This is not optional for us as husbands. This should be our expertise. Our job is to study, wrestle, meditate, memorize God's word. This is our responsibility as leaders of our homes. It's not the wives' responsibility. How I've talked to so many wives that are broken because their husbands won't lead them. We don't have a choice. Why should we lead our wives, by the way, in the word of God? And the answer is because we, again, are supposed to be the one who are zealous for Christ, who loves Christ, who wants to sacrifice everything for Christ. And this leads to point number five. Point number five says, husbands lead in living out God's word. Husbands lead in living out God's word. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 11. 18 and 19. Deuteronomy 11, 18 and 19. And it says this, So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you are at home, when you are on the road, when you are going to bed, when you are getting up. In the morning, these verses all reveal that God's word is a way of life for us. It's just not intellectual things that we think, or it's not just we walk down an aisle and now everything's good and we're done with all that and we're moving on. No, it's a start when we give our lives to Christ, but it's a continuous process of transformation in the mundane moments, in the trials, in the blessings, in the struggles, in the fears, God's word is... We're supposed to be guided by God's word. It is supposed to be the husband leading the charge in all these areas. Husbands, do we love God's word this morning? Do I love God's word this morning? How can we say we love Christ as husbands if we're not studying his word? How can we say, how can we, we submit or follow Christ if we don't know what he says? How can we lead our wives in the Word if we don't know what God's Word says? It would be comparable to having a blind man driving a car. They can't see. They're driving in the darkness without knowing where they are headed. And I am sad to say confidently that most husbands lead their families this way. If we aren't in God's Word, we are blind husbands leading our families off a cliff. We as husbands are supposed to exemplify Christ to our wives actively and sacrificially loving them as Christ loved the church. That's our role. So in conclusion, in conclusion, what should we do if we are failing as biblical heads of our home? What should we do if we are struggling to lead our wives? What should we do if we see that we haven't been loving our wives the way the Bible tells us to? What should we do if we recognize that we aren't giving spiritual leadership to our family? Well, what would any godly husband do? 
Well, the first step is this. For all of us to think about, and I've really been wrestling with this myself as I'm thinking about where I'm at as a husband as well, but the first step is to recognize that these failures are first sin. They're sin against God. Our sin is always first and foremost against God, right? The vertical relationship. That's why 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So it says we go to God and confess all this undone sin that has not been dealt with between me and God first, right? And we clear all that out because that hinders our relationship to Christ. But secondly, We have to deal with the horizontal relationship, right? With our spouse. We have to go to our wife and humbly confess and ask forgiveness of our sin that we have committed so grievously against her and the rest of the family. That's why it says in James 5.16, Therefore, confess your sins to one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. As there's all this sin between me and God, well, that's the same thing that's going on with my spouse. If there's all this sin going on that I never confess a sin to my wife, it's a big wall up with my wife, right? A huge wall up that we can only break through when we turn to God in the power of the Holy Spirit and, re- and confess those sins. Here are a few examples of some of those sins that we must be confessing, speaking harshly to our wives. Lusting after other women. Spending money irresponsibly or frivolously. Not exercising spiritual leadership and... I want to not say something wrong here. And, and, not, um, and not waste our time in front of the TV. That's the way I'll say it. But actually lead our families spiritually. But the Bible does not say just stop at confession. Christ calls us to replace put off our old ways, and put on the new ways as we've been discussing the last few weeks. So this whole process is called repentance. It's called repentance. It's a really popular word in the Bible that we should be very accustomed to, even though in our Christian society it's not so popular or important anymore, but it's really important and popular in the Bible. So changing, repentance means that we change the way we act and think. And we need to start doing that as leaders of our households. For example, we turn from loving ourselves to loving our wives because we love Christ so much. That's why. So we turn and put off thoughts like, why doesn't my wife think more of me? To putting on thoughts like, how can I think more of my wife, right? This is a type of change God wants from us as husbands. I want to encourage you. I want to implore you. I want to plead with you to begin to handle things correctly in the home. And it starts with repentance. We talk about revival in the churches and revival everywhere. Well, I guess I'll tell you this right now. There's not going to be any revival if there's no revival in the home first. We have to, if we're wanting to turn our lives and the world upside down for Christ, we have to start in our homes, brothers and sisters. We're losing the home quickly. We must be humble, Christ-centered leaders. Now, will we fail as husbands? Yes, you can ask my wife. 
Will we struggle as husbands? Yes, we will. We will struggle. We'll fall down miserably numerous times, right? That's why it's so amazing to have the grace of God, the gospel, right? But the gospel doesn't give us a license not to ever repent and change and walk in truth and holiness, right? That's what we're still called to do as husbands. We continue to learn to love more like Christ, and it starts with us as husbands doing that to our wives. If you're a man, if you're a husband, if you're a teenage guy, please, all of you stand up, please. Husbands, all, everybody who's male. That's, that's the easier way to say it. All right. Um, I'm going to pray for all of us because we all need a lot of encouragement and help in this area. As I have preached a pretty, I think, hard, direct message to all of us because this is something I've been wrestling with this whole week as well. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Holy Father, I ask, Father, you give us the zeal, the desire to love you more and to have a passion for Christ as leaders in the home. Help us as men to love you more and to be astounded by your grace for us, but also to be so in awe of who you are and have a bigger view of who you are, Lord. Be with us as husbands this week. Help us if we see that we have struggled in a lot of these areas, Father. I ask that you allow all of us as husbands to, to check ourselves, examine our hearts. And if we are really struggling, I ask, Father, help us Bring those to light, number one, in our hearts, but then help us to confess those sins to you. And then to go to our wife and confess and ask for forgiveness for those sins as well. But not to stop there, Father. Help us as men to repent. Turn away from these wicked ways that we sort of fall into, Father, and to live holy for your glory. And it's through Christ's name we pray. Amen.